Fan Morning Show. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee, text line open 590-590. Keep the text coming in. I love to hear that there are people out there with actual jobs working hard, unlike us who just think we have a hard job because there were no sports last night. Um... The start to the poll is looking great for you. Yeah, I know. I was right. Shocker, shocker, shocker. Uh, oh, you think you're right? Yeah, of course. Of, of course, I think I'm right. I wouldn't uh, have said it. All the dumbos if, on Twitter are, uh, are, the right, are yeah, the right ones. Of course, I think I'm right. Uh, or I wouldn't have said it yes, into this mic yes, yes, on yes. Canada's most listened to sports talk radio station. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, wow. Very, very happy to be joined now by... One of our favorites. Love chatting golf with him. Last summer when we had nothing to talk about, he shepherded us through some wonderful beer and food conversations as well. Our pal, Joe House, host of the Fairway Rolling Pod. Uh, House, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing this morning? Hey, man. Brett and Sam, my homies, what's happening? Are are you playing golf today? Of course. (laughs) Are you on the course? Are you on the course right now or on your way? No, no, no. It's 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 seven oh two AM. I I'm old. I like to play you gotta get the machinery working a little bit before we're out there. So we my co host and I, Brent, we we play a lot of early morning golf. Like we'll play at like seven AM. We've even gone to like six thirty, six forty. And I I'm not a, an old guy. I'm thirty five years old, but I will say the first five or six holes, I really am awful. Like I'm just always like, Why am I here so early? I, I get it. You gotta get the you gotta get the glutes firing. That's it. Those are cobweb holes. Right? Oh, yeah. You're clearing out whatever happened the night before. There's a lot of stuff you got to process. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're talking to a couple guys who are coming off like a six-day golf trip uh, yeah, to, yeah. to a different province. So, yeah, there's been a lot of processing Amazing. as we, oh, as we yeah. get ourselves uh, back back into uh, the, the working world. Uh, so, first things first, again, you know, hit them straight, hit them well, uh, pl- play well when you do get out there, and thanks for taking the time. Uh, I will just start, throw a nice open-ended one to you. What did you make of everything over the past couple days? I mean, you know, we have some hearings up here in our government, but yours get a little crazy when you throw in the PGA Tour and Piff getting dragged before Congress. Uh, I don't know that we actually got any news, but we did get an excellent sideshow. What have you made of the last couple of days, House? Yeah, it's it's the uh, content gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) It literally was so much ado about nothing. The pomp and circumstance of the hearing itself, it was obviously enormously premature because there's no meat on any of the bones having to do with an actual deal between these two warring factions. But this is, you know, the the, the PGA Tour and the PIF uh, reaping what they sowed by going on television at the beginning of June and saying, we're gonna we're we're gonna merge. We're gonna have this great business combination. They didn't need to do it. It was an unforced error, and they have you know created for themselves and and their lawyers thousands and thousands of unnecessary hours devoted to devoted to you know uh, uh, complete sideshow activity where they should be focusing on you know, aligning the players. The the same biggest missing entity from all of the proceedings Tuesday here in the U.S. Senate were the players. What's the plan for the players? How are you going to get the players on board? I think I know the answer. Uh, The COO, when asked how much the PIF is is prepared to invest, said it was (laughs) north of a billion dollars. So I think we're going to get the players. But, yeah, uh, the whole thing was unnecessary. But the the tour and the piff did it to themselves. So congratulations 
And thank you, because, God, it's dead in the sports world right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what was your favorite part? Uh, Tiger and Rory getting live teams, or Yasir trying to uh, shoehorn his way into Augusta? What was your favorite part of it? By, by far. <laughs> as, as soon as it hit the wire, uh, it was an 11 out of 10. From every walk of life in my text thread, <laughs> <laughs> His Excellency trying to get into Augusta was the source of so much joy and hilarity. Oh God, I, I mean, know. just preposterous. Well, as a guy who's played a ton of free golf due to my shamelessness, I respect the shot. Like, I really do respect the shot. You know, th- this was a beautiful moment in, in, uh, in, in deep golf nerddom. Um, the, the, the woman... Uh, ch- uh, Woman player at the U.S. Open um, explaining it was Charlie Hull, who had the best round of the day on on Sunday at Pebble Beach, who was asked about she had to go for it on the 18th hole. She was under the tree, and the tiger said, shot. Uh, you know, they said to her, "You know, what was your thinking?" She said, "You know, that there's a saying in the U.K. Shy kids get no sweets." <laughs> And that was basically like, I'm going to go for it. So, what a setup, you know? His excellency, shy kid, he knows this. Shy kids get those, you have to ask. That is, You can't be told no unless you ask. I'm using that so much now, House. Like, that is now in my lexicon. I love that. That's his whole life. Is it's just tremendous. That's his whole life is just asking for free stuff. And then I go, can I, can I get a little bit of that uh, as well? So I'm not, I'm certainly not uh, c- complaining about it. Yeah. Not only just Augusta, the Royal and ancient really shooting for the moon. Yeah, there. Why not? You, you got to ask. Well, we're, again, worst they could say is no. Uh, I think they're going to say no, uh, but the worst they could do is, is say ex- exactly that. So, uh, you know, in terms of the Rory and Tiger stuff coming out of this, I mean, you know, I'm curious to see how Rory responds to a lot of this this week. He has been such a big mouthpiece for it for so for basically the entirety of this battle. But since this news came out, he really seems to have shied away from it a little bit. Obviously, he's playing at the Scottish Open. I know he got off to a hot start this morning. I'm sure he's going to get asked about it. Do you think he'll kind of defer? Do you think he'll have maybe more of a, of a hardened opinion than we've heard out of him in the past month? What do you expect him from Rory? Because we we know he's going to get asked. Yeah, I honestly think that he will take the uh, the point of tactic that he used at the U.S. Open, which is basically like you know not talking about it hardly hardly at all. Um, he, there isn't any more for him to say. Everything that, that that's come out over the last handful of weeks um, reflects a kind of. Uh, cynical behavior out of out of the tour. Now, we're not privy to the conversations that the tour is having, that Jay Monahan and Rory are having, so maybe it's less cynical. But the idea that, that he and Tiger are, you know, um, uh, assets in this thing that are, that are, you know, fungible assets for the tour to kind of move around and negotiate over as opposed to, to guys with their own agency and self-determination. Uh, and... You couple that with the fact that those those two guys were out front, you know, arguing pretty forcefully. Rory more so than Tiger, but both of them were pretty forceful in their arguments against uh, the PIF and against guys leaping over. Um, I I don't know what he, he would have to to say. I I can only imagine the size of the check that those two guys are going to get. I mean, that's that's really at the end of the day. And maybe we'll go unreported ultimately, but those two guys are getting gigantic checks to go along with 
the gigantic uh, piles of money that they're already sitting on. And like Rory did so much fighting for the PGA Tour before this merger. So like the sense I've gotten from him since this happened and whatever he talks and like he he addressed it a little bit up here at the RBC Canadian Open, but he didn't talk a whole lot. He was similar at the US Open. He's like, all right, if they're all taking the money, uh, like why should I not be able mm-hmm. to take the money? And that's totally the sense I get from him every time I see him and hear him now. And I think he will take the big time money that is coming to him. We might we might get Tiger back to pre-divorce wealth levels house, honestly, <laughs> if, if that goes through. <laughs> Look, you know, when the very first um, moments of the potential merger came to light and and the idea that the um, entity going forward will be a for-profit entity, I expect to see NBA contracts. I mean, Tiger Woods getting a 10-year, $700 million contract would not surprise me one bit. Rory getting, you know, a 10-year, $550 million contract, why not? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, and then, much like Damian Lillard, uh, a week later they can say, you know what? I do want to go play live. Actually, I do live. trade me. Get out of but here. I don't want to do this anymore. How could they? How could they shackle <laughs> me into this situation? Look what I have done to myself. Yeah, that that's exactly how that uh, might might play out. Uh, I do want to ask you about the the Lillard NBA stuff in a sec, but just kind of sticking with golf. Uh, this is a question me and my my bud here kind of banty about every time uh, the Open pops up. We're going to see it in a week's time. Here is, do you? Do you like Lynx golf? Yeah. Do you like to watch it or do you like to play it? I love to play it. It's because it's it's so unusual here in the in the United States. I'm in the Mid-Atlantic and Washington DC area and you know, you you can't really replicate those those conditions and you know, so I, I the, the playing of it, I've been over a couple times to Scotland and Northern Ireland uh and, and to Ireland proper and have had the opportunity to play some of the proper links courses. I think it's really, really fun because it's so different. Um, and the, 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 the watching the competition of it, it's the perfect time of year. There's nothing else going on on the sports calendar. And so for two straight weeks with the Scottish Open, which has really been elevated in its, in its prominence over the last handful of years, it is now a fully sanctioned PGA Tour event. Um, you know, for two straight weeks, you get coffee golf. I, I have coffee. I have the leaderboard open. I have a screen open right now. I'm watching Rory is in the lead, by the way. And, you know, it, it's, it's exactly the perfect dose at the perfect time. Um, and it, it harkens back to the history. You know, we had the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews last year. Ooh. It's cool. It's some pomp and circumstance <laughs> at a moment in the, in the sports calendar where there ain't a whole lot of else going on. I have to admit that I don't like Lynx golf, and I don't really – think it plays that well on tv his favorite open championship sure. moment was when colin morikawa called it the british open to all their faces <laughs> after winning it. that was actually his favorite moment <laughs> no i just i think like it's one of those things where you have to really be there to appreciate it like watching st andrews on tv to me like it just does nothing for me it's like oh that's a perfect line it's just like blasted over the fescue rolling down a burnt out fairway i'm like oh, I don't where is he hitting it to like the only one i understand is hitting it over the hotel like i have i find it really hard to watch it on tv i like the coffee golf though i like that aspect of it and as especially i like the aspect of that we're doing the morning sh- show next week too house going home after the show on you know at 9 a.m., sitting on that couch and just having elite golf naps during it is going to be phenomenal right. as well. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that. But, yeah, I think Link, I, I think Link's golf has a time and a place, but uh, it's not my favorite. That's totally fair. Every criticism you just levied 
is is absolutely consistent with the. Uh, you know, it is hard to, for it to, to show up on TV, and there, we're now at, at Royal Liverpool this yeah. coming week, which is hosted two in the modern era, 2006 and 2014. Tiger won in 2006, and Rory won in 2014, and they shoot way under par. Tiger, I think, was 17 or 18 under. Yeah, Tiger was 18 under, and Rory was 17 under. This joint plays firm and fast. If there's no weather, the guys go low. That's mm. just the rule now with the Open Championship. If there's no weather, they just they just go low. But, yeah, watching it on TV, it is hard to distinguish holes unless there is a, a, a giant hotel to hit over. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, he's is really just a big, big, like, subtle humble brag. It's because he hits it so high and majestic. Who, that's Yeah, you. No that's why way. you hate that. That's why you hate Lynx Golf. <laughs> no. He just talks about his beautiful, high, Rory-esque bombs. So, uh, yeah, you know that's the, why he the, hates it. In all honesty, House, the reason I hate it is because there's so much wind and I have way too much spin on the ball, and I just can't, I can't uh, aim far enough right. I just can't aim far enough right. Anyways. Uh, we, we do want to, we've, we've got you here to talk golf, but I do want to, uh, you know, obviously we, we love your NBA stuff, uh, as well that you do, uh, with, with Simmons and the crew there. We, we'd be remiss. If we didn't get your opinion on, uh, what we kind of joked about there with Damian Lillard, you know, the NBA, obviously we know the idea of LeBron entering or ushering in the player empowerment area era. And I think we all said, this is awesome. Now it feels like it's spun too far the other way. Damian Lillard felt like the one uh, NBA superstar that had kind of universal approval rating. It seems like that's kind of gone away now. Do you think the league can find a way to kind of put this back in the bottle? Cause I don't know that they can. I don't think so either. I'm not so sure that, you know, across at least in my circles, um, the Damian Lillard uh, move here has been regarded as something that, that uh, impacts his standing or reputation at all. I think he's kind of earned the right of self-determination, um, you know, based on, on the loyalty over the years. And it's a, tra- a, a franchise in transition in Portland and on balance, I think, at least, you know, in my sort of nerd NBA communities, we would prefer to see him play on a contender to see him, you know, under the brightest lights on the biggest stage, as opposed to like, you know, just sort of uh, nurturing along a franchise that's going to be three or four years uh, away, maybe maybe closer from being competitive again, especially in the West, which is kind of up up for grabs right now. Um, but yeah, I think you know the the ESPN's um, Adrian Wojnarowski has sort of termed this era that we're in as the transfer portal which makes sense in the context of college sports where <laughs> players and coaches can all change, you know, just, just change on a, on a whim year to year. And, you know, there's no, the, we saw it with, with Bradley Beal here in Washington, DC. I had never expected him to be in Washington for the duration of his contract. Honestly, I, I, I regret and resent the fact that he uh, was here for a full year and that Washington was the team that gave him that contract. They should have traded them two years. In advance, but that's a whole other story for all other. If you have a superstar, superstar uh, and he's approaching a big contract like that, you don't think you can win the next handful of years. You got to trade that guy. Yeah. That, that, you're, you're kind of preaching to the choir here in yeah. Toronto. A couple, exact... couple of Raptors fans who yeah. have been trying to trade Siakam for, uh, for a year mercy. now. Yeah. No, it's, the exa- <laughs> it's the exact. You tell me. It's the exact. The over for Toronto, it's, it's like 38 and a half or 39 and a half win total. I hate Toronto this year. I don't. There's not one thing that I think is appealing about the Toronto Raptors in this upcoming season. Is there any any reason for hope? 
No. The uh, it's it's the classic you it's the classic you have a lottery guy so everyone goes well if Scotty Barnes takes the leap that is there's a 13% chance he'll take then yeah this team all of a sudden has a one two punch in him and Siakam but I mean they play the same position the ball doesn't necessarily move the way you'd like yeah there's a lot of problems so long story short no there's not a lot to like house and they. The switch in approval, we talked about approval rating with Willard. The switch in approval rating for the Toronto Raptors front office here with Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri has been pretty remarkable too. Like the way they handled the trade deadline where they somehow traded a pick for somebody and didn't trade Van Vliet or didn't trade OG or didn't trade Gary Trent and have held on to all these guys. Like, and it seems like the team kind of doesn't really love each other a whole lot. Like the lovable, you know, Culture Raptors here, House, have done a big-time 180. It's flipped here in a hurry. Well, I, I, I was witness to it. I bet on the Toronto Raptors last season. Oh. I watched, you know, quite more Raptors basketball than I care to admit. It's not, it wasn't great. I was so curious. Well, they, they lost whatever that, that identity was of, you know, being an offensive rebounding perimeter defense-oriented mm-hmm. team. It was a hustle team, and they didn't hustle last season, uh, fellas. No, they didn't. They, I don't think there was a lot of love around no, that. No, uh, a little, little bit of quitting on the coach, a little bit of the ship is sinking, yeah. a lot of bit of realizing yeah. uh, what what was going on uh, all all around them. Uh, House, it's been awesome. Love, love chatting with you. Uh, I hope we get to do it at least once more Bob, before summer's up. Whether that's about golf, the terrible Raptors, or some food and drink, uh, mm. I will take any, and I'm sure you would as well. But, hey, what's the best thing you've eaten recently? Oh, Oh, this is great. So it's, it is um, soft-shell crab season here in the mid-Atlantic oh, uh, United States. Fully fried, you know, beautiful soft-shell crabs here from the Chesapeake Bay. Yes, I'm in. It's the best oh. thing I've eaten by far over the last, you know, couple months. Oh, oh, that's that. uh, that's awesome. Soft you just, shell crabs, you just put a smile on uh, my co-host's mm. face, and I didn't think that was possible at this time of day I, other I than on the course. Oh, my uh, God. Hit him well, House. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, fellas. You call, I answer. There it is. House from D.C., uh, host of the Fairway Rolling Pod. Love, love, love uh, getting them on there. And, yeah, we don't do enough basketball with house. We always get house on, and it's like it's Master's Week. Well, we so we just golf. I know. We're but, just golf guys. But he's great on hoops. We got to uh, got to mix that in. And, again, love that. I was going to recommend Cabot to him, but I don't, know. I, like, I don't want to sound like that guy. You got to go to Cabot. You got to go. That, that, well, here's the problem with that is <laughs> if he was telling you. Yeah. I'm going out east. You you know what the one you should do now is you I'm gonna forget the name of the oh, course. Okay, yeah, where they have the, the statue hipster? of our man yeah, stand like, the man. I mean, I know you guys love Cabot. Yeah, that is, that's the real one. Next time we have uh Trey Wingo on, uh when the NFL season rolls around, because I swear he has like residency there. It seems like every time we talk to him, he's three weeks removed uh from, from Cabot. So that's what you gotta do. Uh, there's no point in recommending the best course in the country to someone. If they love golf, they know that. Yeah. If you want to get a little hipstery and you wanna really have those bona fides, I think that's the so, one. It's just so far away. Yeah. I know, but it's like, so is Cabot. Well, no. You're already in. Yeah, I mean, if you're at Cabot, but like, it's a two and a half hour drive from Cabot. <laughs> I know. Around, uh, around the around Cabot the Trail. Bay, yeah. Oh my God. Like, you know, it's just like, you go to the tip of the land <laughs> and you turn right. <laughs> uh, Raptors here? Yeah, quick. Well, quickly, I did want to mention oh, the... Chew on something yeah, too. but I wanted to mention the Lillard thing there. Do you agree with him that the the approval rating hasn't taken a dip? Because for the longest time, I always felt that Damian Lillard was in the most perfect spot an NBA superstar could be in. That they were universally respected. Everyone loved their game. But... They were not at such a level that anyone ever actually expected anything from them. They're like, hey, Dame's great. 
He's the 10th best player in the league. What do you want him to do? He can't win a title by himself. And then all of a sudden, I, I, w- I shouldn't say all of a sudden, he's been slowly building towards this, but it seems like he's itchy and he wants to win now. And I do wonder how that changes the perception because that's all we ever want from guys, but we also want loyalty. And he's kind of having to pick between the two because he's tried to do both. So do you think his perception has kind of changed at all throughout the league? I think, I think I kind of agree with House in terms of if there's one superstar that has earned the right, totally. it's him. Totally. But I think you look like a gigantic man baby saying, I'm only going to go to Miami. Yes. That, that part of it to me really rubs me the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I think, I do think that he's earned the right to get a trade. They're definitely a team in transition. They just, uh, they just drafted Scoot Henderson, who I watched the highlights of him in the summer league. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. Like he's just looks like a bowling ball guy. That bowl- guy, the guy looks like he should be my dad. He's shredded. Oh, I'm yeah. like, this guy is going to be a stud for a long time. So it's kind of like the transition I get. It's time. He to has the body. We talk about Zion having. Yes, correct. He's just such a. Freak and what every every report you read about him is he's a gym rat, loves yep. a game, cares, mm-hmm. competitor, like you love all that stuff. So I think he's earned the right, their transition. But the fact that he's like, I'm only going to Miami to play with my friend, that drives me nuts. Yep. And like, if he gets his way on that one, then I'll have a big problem with it. But there's tons of other teams he could go totally. to. Like Boston, you could go yep. to play and be a contender. Philly, like yep. all the ones you can think of. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn even, but I think yeah. he's kind of in the same spot as yeah. uh, if he goes there, so... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I I have not I have not had my opinion changed of Lillard. It's just kind of interesting to see him inject himself into this. Of after just everybody requested, requested a trade, no one would think twice. No one would think twice. You're but right. It is the, the Miami specific thing, thing yeah. of the Miami trade. Uh, it is time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum 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 yum. I love both of these topics. Okay, then you pick. <sighs> I think the the NFL one here. Jets name team for hard knocks. Yeah. Jets name team for hard knocks. Aaron Rodgers. What are we getting out of him? I I think this is a horrific idea by the Jets. Yeah. Agreed. And an incredible win for all content lovers everywhere. Agreed. Because I it's just you're gonna get to see the dynamic. You're, I think it's gonna be a lot of Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Sure. They're gonna be focusing on him. This is a team that gonna have a lot of expectations mm-hmm. on top of it that hasn't had expectations in a long time. Yep. It's the New York Jets, after all. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I they, I have a, this has a chance for me to go incredibly bad and have it be really great for us. Rogers and New York media is just it is sitting right there because it can go either way, right? Mm. If the team's winning, yeah. he is going to be up there acting cool, spelling relax, except he won't need to because the team will be doing great, so nobody's going to panic. But if he looks remotely washed. Do you know how testy it is going to get with him starting yesterday? Oh, my God. So bad. There will be. And, he, and listen, you watched. We all watch a lot of NFL football. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't very good. Last no, year. no. The very possible. Years, he's just washed. Now yeah. he's going to have a ton of skill players like the, the group that the Jets have. And I'm not talking about uh, the band of brothers that Aaron Rodgers uh, said he wasn't demanding. And then all those guys <laughs> ended up on the team. I'm talking about the actual young skill players they have. Uh, that's going to help him out in a big way. But yeah, it's, it's always curious to see how a quarterback looks at this stage of their career. I mean, if Peyton Manning, now I know what that Broncos defense looked like, but if that version of Peyton Manning could win a Super Bowl, you could be a pretty washed quarterback and still find a way to get it done. Uh, but I, I honestly, like, I was kind of racking my brains for a team in sport that's more fascinating than that. And I mean, obviously an NBA team, I think there's probably something in there, but 
honestly, in terms of Jets, Rogers, big market, I honestly don't know that there's anything you, you would take over it off the top of my head. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Yeah, but I also love the other topic, but maybe we'll save that for a different time. We will. We will definitely save that uh, for a different time. Coming up next, a little more golf. Bo Van Pelt's going to join us. Do you? This will shock you. We love talking golf. We love talking it with House. We're going to talk a lot more of it with Bo Van Pelt. Fan Morning Show with Gunning and McKee here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Brett Gunning, Sam McKee here alongside me. Very, very happy to welcome in our next guest of the day, continuing the golf talk here. And this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Very, very happy to welcome in our next guest, Bo Van Pelt. Bo, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Doing well, doing well. Uh, I've got a chance to catch up with you uh, a couple of times here, so happy to do it again. Uh, you know, I will start with the stock question on what happened in the world of golf this week. Uh, I don't think we learned anything new, but it certainly felt like a lot of news. Uh, what did you make of everything that's come out in the last couple of days here, Bo? Well, I think, like you said, I don't think there were any groundbreaking um, aha moments. You know, I think that... Obviously, the the powers that be were trying to get a deal done um, to try to bring golf back together, and um, yeah, maybe I think anything. Uh, I think it's always easy to look back and go, "I wish these guys would have done it this way or that way." But uh, I think no matter how they get, they came to um, a deal or at least a framework agreement, somebody was going to be ticked off about it. So um, I don't think there was any big. Uh, Aha uh-huh moments, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I still think there's more questions than answers as of right now. I think that's why when you see some of the quotes from the players that they're, you know, they just don't really know. You know, I think everybody's trying to get somebody's opinion, but it's hard to have an opinion on something until you see kind of, um, you know, the devil's always in the details. And so with, without the details really being released or kind of what pro golf's going to look like if this merger goes through, um, I think it's hard to really have a, a concrete opinion on things. Yeah, and I think uh, I think a lot of people are scared that the devil is definitely lurking uh, in the details, depending on which side <laughs> of things uh, you you fall with this. And That's a uh, very you, good, very good point. Thank you. Uh, and I should mention, uh, you know, good luck to you this afternoon. I know you're teeing it up at the at the Barbasol. You know, in terms of the in terms of the changes that that could be coming, like you said, we're all just kind of in this in this holding pattern. And I think so much of it is that you know, professional golf is such a big game, right? I mean, so much of it is focused on the absolute top of the pecking order, and you know, I think rightfully so when you're looking at guys like Tiger and Rory or, you know, JT, guys like that. But professional golf encompasses a lot of players, including guys like yourself who are playing this this week uh, in an opposite, opposite field event. Like, how much do you think about kind of the place that players like yourself will kind of take up in the game going forward? Because it seems like a lot of the discussions we hear having are about the top 1% of the 1% of pro golf. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, I'm 48 now. I've been at professional golf 25 years. and um, I guess I'm in, you know, when you've done it as long as I have, I've pretty much been in every category. You know, I've, I've been ranked in the top 20. I've been a top 50 guy. I've been a guy barely keep his card. So I've kind of, I think just about every scenario in the golf world, um, professional golf, I've lived it last 25 years. So 
Um, I don't think there's any doubt that the guys at the top are uh, the ones that are driving the paychecks. And, and really most of my career was Tiger Woods, you know, it's, um, we're six months apart in age. So, you know, he was kind of the bell cow that was, um, you know, everything kind of fell in line behind him and whatever he was doing. And that kind of drove the market. And, um, so yeah, we all knew that there was none. I said, I used to laugh. I said, all of us should write him a check at the end of the year because we're all making more money because of him. Um, and so you had no problem with that. So I think, but you're right. Golf is big. And I think that's one of the biggest things is I just hope that with all this new money that might be coming into golf, that look, everybody knows, um, golf's trying to get the best players to play at the same time more often. I mean, we all get that, but I also think you got to make sure you don't close that off to where there's not opportunities for the new young players that nobody knows about to get to that top. And I think that's the, that to me, that's the devil in the details because it can't just be handpicked. You can't just say, Hey, this kid had a great amateur career. So we're going to give him so many chances to where he's automatically going to make it. I think that's one of the greatest things about golf. And one thing I fell in love with was I was a kid from Richmond, Indiana that walked on at Oklahoma state. My nickname was bogey. My first two years of college and by the end I was, and by the by the end I was a first team all American and I got my PGA tour card right out of college first year. So it you know, when I went to Q school it didn't matter what your name is or what your resume was, if you shot the score, you could get on the PGA tour. And so I just hope that we don't lose that in trying to um you know, not manipulate, but just not force feed and say, okay, we're going to pick these guys and we're just going to have these guys play together. Because look, I lived it. I was in that top 50 for probably four or five years straight, but it fluctuates all the time just because, you know, guys play worse. I I got hurt, different things. So it's, I think that's the part where you got to, you want all the best players together, but you also have to have room in there to where the, the natural fluctuations of the game of golf can happen as well to where there's new blood always coming in. Yeah. And I think that was one of the, the biggest complaints about live is what you were just talking about. There was just like, then they just get the money. They haven't had to earn their right to get there. Right. And I think that's why a lot of guys were perturbed about it. And what you said there is just a beautiful thing about golf. The better you play, you can get anywhere you need to go. Like if you a five or six, a five handicap and below, you can get into the Canadian Open if you play well enough. Like that's the beautiful thing about the game that we I hope it doesn't get lost here. No, for sure, and I think that's um, yeah. And like to me, you never had to apologize for the amount of money you made at the end of the year because you went out and beat the other best players in the world yeah. to do it. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. Hey, look, this guy signed a twenty million dollar contract. He played the first two weeks, and then you know hurt his toe and then didn't play, but yet he got the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we never lived that life. And so I think that's a, that's a special thing about golf. And I, I hope it doesn't just always get lost. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't expect that it will, because I think you're right. We all kind of love that meritocracy. And the reason my, uh, my co-host here had that number so ready at plus five is because just, just lurking outside can nearly, nearly uh, get, get there uh, to qualify, try to get there. Uh, you know, I, I know you're playing in the Barbasol this week, but obviously you've had a lot of experience playing links golf, obviously Scottish open going on this weekend, open championship next. I wonder what this kind of turn in the season is like for you as a player. You know, I'm not going to profess to be a big 10 
tennis guy, but I know they go through this all year long. Have you got your hardcore season and it's clay and it's grass. Golf doesn't quite have that. I mean, I know we have different greens to put on with POA or Bermuda or whatever, but this is the real kind of different test in golf. What's it like as a player to kind of prepare your mind or maybe your body to play Lynx golf as opposed to what you see kind of week in, week out on the PGA Tour? Well, I think it's, it is a big mental thing. I think there was guys that just never liked links golf that, you know, you knew that they weren't, weren't going to play well, um, or they'd go over there to the open championship with a bad attitude. You know, you could see guys on Monday, Tuesday, they were like, whether it be the place they were staying or the food <laughs> or just, um, the speed of the greens that, you know, guys would complain. And then other guys that embraced it, it just seemed like those were the guys that played well every year. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing, thinking about this call today. And I thought, you know, it's amazing to me, you know, it used to be Lock Loman was the week before the Open Championship, which it's a great golf course, but it's it's not a, a Lynx course. And I thought, how did that ever happen? Like, of all the dumb things <laughs> in golf, like, there should have always been a Lynx golf course the week before the Open Championship if guys wanted to play. And, like, and now that you see this great field that the Scottish Open gets, which is awesome, like, it's like – of all the things that you were like, that's the easiest layup that should have been happening for the last 40 years. So I'm glad they finally got that right. Um, but no, I think um, to me, I always looked at it like it was a fun challenge because it was the one week a year that you got to do it. And so to me, it was a new challenge to like, Hey, you know, can I hit a five iron from 160 yards and keep it on the ground? And, you know, can I, my lag putting get really good from, you know, 90 to a hundred feet, like on these <laughs> double greens of St. Andrews. So, to me, it was fun. I always loved it. Um, you know, I had some decent finishes. I think I played seven or eight of them. Um, I actually played Hoy Lake in 06. I missed the cut that week. Uh, you know, just kind of played okay. And then I hit it in the lip of a bunker on like 15 and left it in there. I think I ended up missing by a shot or two. But um, it's, a, it's a great – it's a fun links course. I mean, it's a true links golf course. I remember 06 was the year when Tiger won and – I mean, if you look at the old videos, they'll show them. I mean, it was crispy. I mean, it looked like burnt toast um, <laughs> and the fairways. So it uh, it'll be a great week. I think you know. Uh, you look at Rory's already off to a good start this week at the Scottish. He won there in fourteen. So you know, maybe he gets off his major slide this week, going back to a place where he's had success, which would be great for golf. Do you do you have a favorite of the of the open road courses? I mean, I know you just mentioned a couple of memories you have, but uh, in terms of the ones you've got to play, I mean, I know St Andrews is kind of special in and of itself. But is there one other, or is it maybe just St Andrews that just does stand above the others? Um, I thought it was funny. I was talking about yesterday, but I thought Muirfield was probably the best golf. If you just went, hey, the best golf course I played, that I felt like it was every club in the bag. I mean, it was just you know kind of a little bit of everything. And I just thought it challenged every part of your game, but, um, Oh five, uh, I played Oh five and 10 at St. Andrews and Oh five. I got to, my dad was there with me. I got to see Nicholas putt out on 18 and then Saturday and Sunday, I played with Fred couples, wow. um, who, who ended up playing, I think he finished third and, uh, I drove it on the green and made a two on 18. So that was like, I pretty much was like, I could just quit golf at that point. You know, I was like, this is, uh, you know, that was, that was about as good as it got for me right there. So I would have to say my best memories of probably St. Andrews and the town. I think that's the thing. Not only the course has history, but just, I mean, everybody saw it last year with it being the 150th, but the way the town embraces it and the way it creates its own kind of amphitheater coming down 
the stretch is just so unique that it's it's hard to beat St. Andrews. Yeah, what's the bar there? Is it the Dunwagon? The Dunwagon, yeah. The Dunwagon, and then now there's one up the street about two blocks called the Waypat Tavern where a lot of the caddies hang out. Um, so we used to we used to sneak in there. Um, it's kind of a hidden gym. Oh, I, I was it. gonna say, don't get me wrong. You know, you players are fun, but I got to imagine that's the more fun pub where the where the caddies <laughs> are hanging out. I gotta say, I gotta be honest. Well, you drove it on you drove it on the green and putted it in for two on uh, eighteen on the round four. You know who would have liked that a lot would be Rory last year. He would have really loved that result. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would have sure taken that. Uh, Bo, before we uh, before we get you out of here, can you tell us about uh, the app you're working with, uh, Rabbit Cards? Yeah, so it was it was my idea um, a couple years ago when I came back from getting uh, getting injured, and um, basically I was playing in Vegas, and they were setting up some cameras on on one of the par threes and, um, to do some live feeds on par threes. And I remember back to when I was a kid, you know, we would go to the Memorial Tournament and we'd sit by the green and we'd watch guys come up, and you know, you couldn't really see who the player was. So you're like, I'll take the guy in a blue shirt, and my buddy, I'll take the guy <laughs> with the visor. And, you know, we'd go closest to the pin on par threes. Um, and, I, you know, for the last 25 years, we'd go play these tournaments, whether it's the 16th at Phoenix or, you know, Sawgrass. And everybody sits on these par threes and they, they gamble on who's going to be close to the pin. And I said, well, why don't we just build an app to do that? <laughs> and so that's what we did. I got some great partners from Tulsa and a company called Freeform and so we got a three-year deal with the PGA Tour using the Shaolin data, and uh, we built a free-to-play app called Rabbit Cards, and you download it, and, you know, you make your picks. We do uh, 12 groups a day, so three groups per par three, and you pick your close to the pin, and we got some great prizes. We're right now, Callaway and Stitch are giving away prizes. We got Bushnell coming on board. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, we want people to have the, that – you know, that experience that they have that one day or one week a year when they're the PJ tournament comes to town or whether they're at the rink in Canada, you know, it's same, same kind of concept. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So but we'd love to, to blow it out in Canada and have a bunch of people download rabbit cards and compete for our prizes. That, that's awesome. Cause I went to the RBC Canadian open obviously this year and I sat on 17 uh, I was with my wife though, but uh, two guys beside me literally sat there for two and a half hours and gambled on closest to the pin. They did that for legitimate. They're like five bucks here, five bucks. Yeah. Like, it was just like they did it the entire time. So there you go. Yeah, uh, very, very uh, willing participant yes. base there, um, including maybe the two guys you're talking to 100%. right now. I've definitely bought someone a beer uh, for being wrong, and I've definitely got one for being right. Uh, Bo. Good luck today. I uh, really, really appreciate you jumping on. And we barely like doing this when we got to play a casual round of golf. You're going to go play in a tournament. Go so low. thanks so much. Go Lobo. Hey, thanks, man. Y'all have a good one. Uh, there he goes. Bo Van Pelt. Always, always love getting him on there. This insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Hey, that was great. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Thanks, uh, for that, Austin. Kudos to Austin, man. He's yeah. uh, you know, is a producer. You got to have one or two of your guys. And I feel like Bo is Austin's guy. He's yeah. gotten from me a couple I'm times. A, I might be leveraging that number. You might be. And then Austin's going to lose him. So <laughs> tough for you, but good for us. That means you're, if, if people are stealing from you in this business, it means you've done an excellent job, Austin. So maybe you'll be lucky enough to get credit for it. That's what the producer meeting on Monday is for. If uh, Ryan yeah. Fabro's listening. Yeah. Well, I won't be doing it that way. No, I'm, not, oh. I'm, not, I'm not a producer. No, right no, no. I'm a host. No, I no. will not be on that. I'll be snoring. Um, okay. So I put out that tweet. Oh, the William Nylander, one Tom Wilson. One year of William Nylander for one year of Tom Wilson. And uh, it started off bad. Yeah, of course. It, we're, we're gaining steam here. I'm not surprised. Where 35% of people say yes. Okay. 65% of people say no. The first comment is WTF, Sammy. <laughs> uh, people didn't like that. 
Yeah, whenever you can score less goals in the playoffs, you got to do it from <laughs> from Bo, not Bo Van Pelt, no. but uh, Bo, normal post maker. Okay, very okay. interesting. Um, somebody sent me a massive three way contract. That's just a three way. I, I can't even. Re- yeah, it's a okay. three way. I can't even read through it. And uh, my boy Ricardo inject Tommy Boy into my veins. Yeah. So and oh, I also got one from somebody here. I'll read this one quickly um, because it's against me. Uh, what does he say here? I've seen some pretty bad Nylander takes over the years, mm-hmm. but this one may be the worst of all time. And that's from my boy, Jake Roberts. So I've seen, I, I have seen a lot of, oh, because I've also seen the opposite of, this is the best Nylander trade I've ever heard. And to that, I would like to say, have you listened to Sports Talk Radio before? Because <laughs> we have been trying to trade in oh various different iterations. William Nylander for Tom Wilson, I think before the Leafs drafted him. I think when it was just the eighth <laughs> overall pick and maybe Nick Ritchie, it was... This exact trade has probably been, what, like six hours of combined talk over the last seven years, this this exact trade? Mi- minimum, at minimum. <laughs> Love it there. And however much uh, I'm winning, on I, again, I yes. just... I, I You're making it seem as though I don't like Tom Wilson or would not want him on the Leafs, but as much as I'm winning there, I don't know that one person has agreed with me on the text line. Just a lot of, <laughs> yeah, give me Tommy boy. A lot of that. A lot of people very, very happy uh, uh, to rid themselves of that on the text line. Uh, but uh, Twitter, very different response there. Grinders? Yeah. You got some for me? Yeah. On site. And we did get, they didn't give us a name again. Put your name and where you are so we can give you credit. On site at 6 a.m. to do some underground plumbing in a dirty ass wet pit. <laughs> I just, I no problem with that. I've never wanted <laughs> just to a commute from Stony Creek to downtown. It's the killer. I have never wanted slash. I don't know which not wanted to see this dirty, wet pit before. What is it? I'm picturing the basement where oh. Blue was doing the Jello wrestle or the like. Oh uh, yeah. in, in, in old, old school. school yeah. That's what I'm picturing him having to clean that up the next day. Is what I'm picturing when he's in a dirty <laughs> wet pit. But it's not the dirty wet pit that <laughs> no, gets no. him. Who it's cares? The commute. Yeah. Who cares? Well, okay. Greater than uh, dirty wet pit. Whatever you're doing down there versus Toronto commute. We know what is worse um, now. Love, love, God, love that. God, the smell of that commute home. Oh, oh just, con- I just, hope you got a work truck. Just pal. bring him the pit home with you. Uh, grinders, work and film. This is so Till today, up at 4.30 daily, usually seven days, 10 hours, Monday to Friday, just eight on weekends. <laughs> Have done over 80 consecutive days four times now. Quit your whining. Yes. Deco and T.O. Hey. That's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, that that's one thing. Eh? The, the film industry. So tell today. They work really hard. Oh, absurd hours. Yeah, I know some people who worked in that stuff. Absurd, absurd hours, long, long days. It ain't all glamour. Oh, no. A lot of, uh, we use this one in our business, uh, too, of uh, stand up, hurry up and wait. You got to hurry up and wait. A lot of that going on in film. You want to be in the right spot to stand there for seven hours Mm -hmm. in case someone might need you. Uh, So love that. Uh, Again, I do think for a grinder of the day, not that 
they've grinded the most, but just because of how much they made us laugh. The Clubhouse pit? leader is one thousand percent. Our boy, wet uh, pit. the wet pit. Yeah. <laughs> if we had if we had temporary fan morning show merch, it would just be a wet pit with our faces on my, it. I think my brain has been a wet pit for it the last really three has. days. Watching watching you try to have entertaining and coherent. You can be coherent or you can be entertaining, but trying to do both at the same time, it has been uh, it's been so, wonderful watching you uh, take this all in. Okay, good. This is a good text from Adam and Tottenham uh, about Willie. Okay. We added grit with Reeves and Domi. Yep. And Bertuzzi. He didn't put that in there, but Bertuzzi as well. If they traded a skilled player like we Willie, we got to get a skill. We got to get skill and talent back more than grit. Adam from Tottenham. I think that's fair. I think that's completely fair. But you can never have too much grit. Well, and the and the argument take that, the, take the other team to the wet pit, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Tom Wilson is a wet pit player for sure. That is, is that our new word for a greasy leaf is a wet pit guy. <laughs> You just can't stop laughing at it. The thing with Wilson is that oh he's God. more than grit, right? You oh, know, yeah, you hope that, and Bertuzzi and Domi are supposed to be that as well. We don't need to lump Reeves yeah. into that. We know what's going on there, but he does score. The fact that he did have 13 in the 33 games, you know, you prorate that over a season. It's what, 26, he's, 27 he's gonna goals? He's going to top out at 25, 24. It's going to be his top. Like he's never, his career high is 22 goals. Yeah. So the idea oh, no, sorry, that's a lie. It's 24. No, I was going to say the yeah. idea of him being like a 30 goal man. I think that's probably a little, little overstated if that's Depends the case, but I was just going to say, if he's out there with now take a Nylander out of the equation changes this because I don't know that you get Matthews and Marner together. If Nylander's not on the team, I'd venture you definitely don't. Uh, so then it's Matthews, Neva, or sorry, it's Matthews, Wilson, and Callie Yarncroke or something. That's the problem with uh, yeah. with losing Willie's creativity in the top six is that it kind of it it gives you a lesser version of Tom Wilson. <laughs> morning boys, morning boys, grinder. That was not a sentence. Nope. Gassing up the mowers for a sloppy day of grass cutting. <laughs> Parks department in Romano's hometown. Markham. Jason from Markham. No Willie trade. You're high, Sammy. Okay. <laughs> Sloppy just, day at grass cutting. I did enjoy, again, I was listening to the international feed of the all-star game and yeah. everybody's always trying to, you know, like you want to, I do this all the time. Like when I was doing updates, I'd be like, oh, on the south side of Chicago. And I, like I didn't just Google which one the Cubs or White Sox resided in eight mm. seconds before saying that. So the the play-by-play guy's like, oh, and there's Jordan Romano from Markham. Uh, and then he turns to Buck. What's that? About 10 minutes out of downtown Buck? And Buck just gives him a, yeah, sure. <laughs> Bucks? Yeah. yeah. It was on point. It the was really game. good. Of just Guttural, like, yes. I'm going to do a non sequitur because I don't want to pick up too much of what you're what you're putting down yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, always funny with the idea of like, yeah, 10 minutes from downtown Toronto. If you were a crow and flew directly <laughs> out of it, or if you're Jordan Romano and you could take a chopper out of downtown that, Toronto. There's no way it's 10. It's no, just never 10. God, never. It's not 10, time, it's not 10 when the grinders are up texting. Uh, it's not even 10 for them. Willie for Pesci and Jarvis from Fred and Oakville. Seth Jarvis is just like, he's never not going to be the one that got away. Probably too strong a term, but the fact that it, it always sticks in my craw that that summer the Leafs traded the pick that ended up becoming Seth Jarvis and then made an incredible trade to get a first-round pick for Casperi Kapanen, who is borderline mm-hmm. out of the NHL now, and that kid, through no fault of their own, has become a non-entity. Like, that is the most 
not the most sliding doors moment, mm-hmm. but boy, what a what if that is. If that just goes the exact opposite way. Uh, Jarvis is an incredible player. We talked about Pesci. I just, only, that's he only a, had 39 points last year. Um, it, it, he's Jarvis. talked about as though he has a lot more. He plays in he's the top, 21 though. He plays in the top six of a good team. Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. He's a guy who would fit solidly in there for you. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend he gives you the creativity that Willie does, but obviously uh, you're probably, you know, you bring in a guy like Pesci, you're happy to lose a little bit up front, but I think you need to add something to that from a uh, Carolina's perspective. How about this one from Paul and Markham, 10 minutes from downtown Toronto, Willie for Marchand. Why would Boston do that? Uh, because Marshawn's older, I guess. Oh, okay. So you don't want to trade for the older guy. Like, I understand. Like, if you're Boston, that is the, let's say Patrice Bergeron is retiring. That yes. is the that is the pulse of your team. That is the core of your team. That is the face of your franchise. I know Pasternak makes all the money, and he's going to score all the goals. But Brad Marchand is the heartbeat of that team. They What's would, his uh, contract? They would, like? Oh, it, he's on one of those incredible Sid deals. It's like 6.3, and he probably has like a year or two left on it would be my. This, he's got this year. And one more. At 6.1, yeah. 125, yeah. and one more. Okay, yeah, so one one more deal. There's just no way Boston would ever, <laughs> ever, you ever imagine that? that trade? Oh. I, I, that one got my brain going oh, a little that, bit, Paul and Markham. Yeah, Thank because you. it would be so good for the Leafs. Like, I understand, and I made all the case about Tom Wilson and window to win and all that. Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand. That's a very, very different player. Uh, so yeah, I'd be very into that. Boston Bruins, they would not. Uh, Racky from Guelph. Yeah, don't trade Willie. Let's try the same thing again for the seventh year in a row, because why not? Let's just pay Matthews and Willie 13, 5, and 10. No sarcasm at all. Uh, I mean, sound a little sarcastic. Uh, Racky, and are you sure about that? We started the show with all of our William Nylander trade proposals. So we're not saying not to do this, it. This, we might okay. not have enough time for this one, but what are your thoughts on Bigfoot, boys? Luke and Holland Landing. Tomorrow, uh, 640. That sounds like <laughs> the exact topic we'll do then. We might even chew on that uh, tomorrow. Uh, coming up in the last hour of the show, got a couple of great guests, including Caitlin McGrath, who is going to join us next. But on the Fan Morning Show, we're giving away concert tickets all month long as part of our Bud Summer Stage Concert Giveaway Series. Today, we have tickets to give away for Smashing Pumpkins, playing at Budweiser Stage on September 2nd to enter for your chance to win. All you have to do is text the code word to forgive to 590 590. Again, that's to forgive to 590 590. If you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets for this event at ticketmaster.ca. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. We'll have tickets to give away for Foreigner. Gunny and McKee back with one hour left on the morning show. It is the fan morning show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.